Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Hey there, welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast. Joel Brzezinski and Mike Kapler uh, getting set to do some more Hebrews talking. And speaking of Hebrews, I brewed myself some nice Earl Grey tea before we started here. So I'm good to go with Hebrews. I love my tea. Cap, you don't like tea or coffee or anything like that, do you? Well, I don't drink coffee. Um, you like my, tea? My wife tries to get me to uh, to dabble in, in, <laughs> in tea because she works for a friend who is in the tea business. Oh, that's right. And she gave me a sample of, uh, of some one time. Yeah, that loose was good. leaf tea. Good yes. stuff. I mean, uh, I, so I would like to uh, enjoy tea a little bit more, but you know... I'm a Dr. Pepper guy, so you got you to get me the right one. <laughs> you got to get pepper and, and Dr. Pepper and chocolate, and you're set. You're good to go. <laughs> no, I when I was a, I lived in England as a boy. I moved there when I was eight, and uh, my friend's mom says, "Would you like some tea or coffee?" And I had never been asked that question in my life. I thought I might be in my twenties before I would ever be asked that. But I was eight years old, and so I said, "Uh." Yeah. And then she said, well, which one? You want tea or coffee? And I was like, "I tea? And I was very hesitant. And I was, because one of my big worries was that they have tea time in England. And this is the late 70s. And I thought I was going to have to drink tea. And here I was being asked if I wanted tea or coffee. Well, anyway, she made some tea and she put some milk and sugar in it. And I loved it. It was like one of the best things I'd ever had. And so I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> well, you you add sugar to anything, you're probably going to like it, right? <laughs> yeah, or or pepper, right, Doctor Pepper? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> well, all right. So Hebrews, we've been talking about Hebrews, and one thing we were talking about last week, and we want to kind of make this clear: we're not against the Bible. We love the Scriptures. For the past 15 years almost, we have been using the scriptures on our podcast to talk about Jesus, to talk about the gospel, and we love that we have the scriptures, all these 66 books that we can look at and and learn about God and about the gospel. And then we had talked about last week, Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Well, the Bible isn't a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, it says here, about the Word of God. It's not the Bible that's being talked about there. So we just want to make that clear that the writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus. And ultimately, the truth that we receive, the truth that we find out about God, it needs to be the Holy Spirit that reveals it to us. Again, the scriptures are wonderful, but I, I'm reminded of a, a recent conversation that I had with somebody on Facebook where we were going back and forth. I was sharing some scriptures, he was sharing some scriptures, and we were both disagreeing on what it really all meant. Now, it doesn't matter for the intents here who was right, if I was right or if he was right. It really doesn't matter. The point is we both were sharing scriptures, and one of us Maybe both of us were wrong. Maybe both of us were right. And so the point is, I'm, I'm not trying to say who's right or who's wrong. The point is, the Word of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit in us, 
is the one who needs to reveal the truth to us. We're dependent not upon reading the words on pages that were indeed inspired by God for men to write, but we're not dependent upon those words. We're dependent upon the Holy Spirit in us. Ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth to us. And so that's kind of what we just wanted to clarify some of that. I don't know if you had any more you wanted to add to that. Well, no, I, I think you made the point. But, you know, that again, I mentioned it last week, that the, the Bible hasn't always existed in the way and shape and form that, that we know it. But the word uh, with a capital W has always been mm-hmm. since before time began. And that word is enveloped or encompassed within the person of Jesus Christ. Even the book of Revelation refers to his name as the Word of God. Philippians chapter 2, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and in earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so if we can begin to think of Jesus as the Word, a little, at least a little bit more, than the Bible, I think we're going to be seeing some things within the Scripture that will help us, because it's really all about Him. The Word within the Scriptures, the Word is not described or defined as something that gradually came into existence over a period of many years. And and in in fact, when when Scriptures were, were being put together several hundred years after the cross, um, there was a lot of debates and, and argument on what should be included in there and what shouldn't be included. Were the, were the writings authentic and uh, what should be left out? You know, th- this went on and on for quite a while. And eventually they came up with a, a compilation that, uh, at least by Democratic majority, was voted and, and, and agreed upon. And so I just want to point out that the Word of God is really not identified as a book that slowly came into existence over a period of centuries. But it is alive. It is powerful. The scriptures point us to the one who gives life. And as you said, Joel, it's so easy for us, even of like-minded faith. And Joel, you're, you're probably the person I know the best that I can match up my thinking with. But that doesn't always mean that he and I are always going to agree on everything or that mm-hmm. we may see things differently that that's that's bound to happen because our understanding through our, the human element you know when we filter through our, our human mindsets we're just going to see things differently and you know that that's just the way it is so we can look at this as a book of truth the pages but I think we need to stay more focused on the person because when I came to Christ, somebody was sharing some Bible verses with me and then they prayed with me and, and I uh, called upon the name of Jesus Christ for salvation as a young child. And, and I had an experience there, a connection, an inner witness where I began to realize as I looked up at the picture of Jesus on my bedroom wall, he wasn't just something that I believed in anymore. I, I, I came into a, a connection with him, a realization. And that realization didn't come through the verses that were given to me by somebody. They came through the spirit now that was within, revealing something to me about this person of of Jesus that I hadn't realized before. And so that doesn't mean we still won't have our disagreements or see things differently. But, you you know, you you can quote Bible verses until you're blue in the face and have a lot of different Bible knowledge uh, without ever having experienced life that comes from 
our source of life, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Cap, you were talking as we began the series about you know the, the, that wagon that you once had at your grandma's, and it would go up the hill, then kind of go downhill, get rolling downhill, and you were kind of comparing this to the book of Hebrews. And as we went through chapters one, two, three, and four, kind of going uphill, setting, laying a foundation, I think it's right around chapter five and six that we start going downhill and getting into some of the, the real good stuff here. Not that any of the beginning stuff wasn't good, because it, it really did lay a good foundation. So we, we were talking about how Jesus, like you said, is the Word of God. We hold fast to him. You know, our confession is him. Uh, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's how what we know as chapter 4 ends. And then he says this in chapter 5. For every priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. So talking about the priests under the old covenant, what the writer is going to be doing here is he's going to be contrasting now. Now that he has laid the foundation about Jesus Christ, this is who this is what it's about. It's about Jesus Christ. He starts talking about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the things that happened there. The priests made offers of gifts and sacrifices for sins, and those priests could have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray. Or I should say that, um, yeah, he can. Uh, every high priest taken from among men is appointed for these things. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject, subject to weakness. He's talking about these earthly priests. But of this he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ, verse 5, did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he, so God, the Father, who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And as he says also in another place, You are priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The writer right here is beginning to transition, or beginning to talk about the difference between the priesthood of men, of earthly men, mortal men, and the priesthood of Jesus. And I think things start to get really good here. And uh, you are priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. He brings up Melchizedek about nine times. And we'll be getting into that in chapters 5, 6, and 7. That stuff is exciting to me. But uh, anyway, I see a transition kind of happening here. And uh, we'll see where uh, where we go with this as we got a couple minutes left here. Yeah, we won't be able to get into uh, Melchizedek right now but uh, because of the time constraint, but it's interesting some of the things that are, are said here in, in this part of the book that references will be made to uh, later in the book. I mean, even, even you know, you got to realize, again, uh, since the Bible wasn't written in chapters, he, he just got done at the end of chapter 4 talking about Jesus the high priest again and continues it here in chapter 5, this, this priesthood that, that Jesus wasn't even seeking uh, by himself himself, as you mentioned, but God bestowed it upon him. 
and he goes on to explain how Jesus, who was, you know, flesh and blood as a human being, how he would offer up prayers and supplications to God, and he was heard because of his reference. And even though he was a son, he learned obedience through what he would suffer. And this is what makes him such a great high priest, as the writer said a couple of chapters ago. And he, he was made perfect. He became the source, the source, the authorship of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order, there it is again, after the order of Melchizedek. But there's something else that's being said here at the end of the chapter, and he's saying, you need milk, not solid food, and it shouldn't be that way. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since they're just a child. You should be teaching people instead of being taught. And I find that interesting because about three or four chapters later, he's going to say that you, referring to the new covenant, under this new covenant, you will have no need that somebody teach you. God is about to become your teacher as he changes your heart. And so things being said now, we'll find out even further uh, in the in the chapters ahead. Right on, right on. Yeah, things get deep and things get even better as we move further along in the book of Hebrews, looking at uh, maybe some more of chapter 5 next week, maybe getting to 6 where he talks about what obedience really is and repentance from dead works. And then... In a couple of weeks, we've got some celebrating to do. We're going to be talking about our first 15 years of the Growing in Grace podcast. So uh, more Hebrews next week and then some celebrating after that. Right here on the Growing in Grace podcast at growingingrace.org. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.